murder, a curse, and a woman in a well. It's time to enter Ringu. Mamma mia, papa mia, da, 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 da. <laughs> It sounds like it sounds like an Italian sauce. Oh, ringu, yeah, ringu. It does. It's like I'm like, why? It's like ragu. That? Yeah, that's what you're thinking. But the thing Alex. is, okay, so I know it's called ringu. I've always thought the Japanese version was called ringu, and then I watched this movie, and I'm like, is it actually the ring? Because then I start right. searching the internet, and it just says mm-hmm. ring everywhere. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. one is this it? Is ringu on like? Uh, IMDb and okay. Letterboxd. So okay, so we'll we'll just they they, we'll they are ragu. the authorities. I would assume we'll say ragu. It's fine. Ragu. Yeah, ringu. Ragu. Like the pasta ragu. sauce. Yeah, Is exactly. It ragu? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Welcome back to the Monsters vs Men podcast. This is the bargain basement of monster slash creepy child poltergeist podcasting airwaves. <laughs> this week, as we try to stay alive. We are discussing not the Italian pasta, but Ringu. Oh, I'm Eric. I'm Alex. And Alex, I am excited. We're kind of entering some modern films of our J horror series, and like I'm, at this point, I'm like, we need to keep on going with our J horror series. Oh yeah, <laughs> because no. I'm kind of enjoying it. Um, there's just a different tone and a different feel to these movies, especially like once we've entered this kind of modern era. I think the ring really is bringing about we really get some interesting ideas um, and some interesting tones that we don't see it in many American films. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I really was enjoying this. It just felt, well, it felt familiar because of the American version, but I, I just really enjoyed this different vibe that I was getting. And I was like, yeah, this kind of reminds me of the grudge and yeah. it's a vibe the whole time. Man, and uh, it, it just felt fresh to me, honestly. Like, I'm like, man, this is this is a nice change of pace, um, for our show and for me to watch for our show. Yeah, no, I mean, it really, it definitely was. It definitely was. And I, I, it was a welcome change of pace. Yeah. So, next week, for those following along, we're actually going to watch Dark Water, which is, um, this director, Hideo Nakata. It's his second most popular J-horror film after Ring. Um, so I'm excited for that. I, I, I've had it recommended by a couple of our patrons, Alex. Um, they, they both recommended it when I asked them what they thought. They said Dark Water. So I'm excited okay. for that. You, now, did you know there's an American version of that one? See, I didn't even know that. Yeah, so I have stars, not seen uh, it. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. It stars Jennifer Connelly. Interesting. And I think it's supposed to be like a, I mean, the American version, I think it's supposed to be like a slower paced movie, mm. which is, which got, it, it got dings for, I think. Mm-hmm. But, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm excited. This is going to be, uh, this director knows what he's doing. Yeah, I agree. Our, uh, patron Terry rated it four and a half stars on Letterboxd. So, I'm I'm excited to watch. Does does Terry rate things 
High usually? Low? I'm not on Terry. No offense. I'm just never on Letterboxd, so I don't know what anyone rates. No. I wouldn't say so. So he rated he rated the ring three and a half. Uh, I'll be curious to to hear what your rating is when we get to it, Alex. But okay. he he gave it a three and a half, I believe. So okay, okay. But let's jump into it, shall we? Since we're already talking about it, let's. Before Gore Verbinski's American version of The Ring came, Ringu, director Hideo Nakata's most popular J horror film. From the start, the similarities between the American Ring and Ringu are abundant. But does the original make you wonder why we have a remake? Or did the remake make a fake of the original make, Alex? Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> so I I am coming from an interesting place on this one. Um, and again, I do. you've already hit the nail on the head, but I do feel like I need to disclose up front that the American version of The Ring going to see that movie is one of my all-time favorite movie experiences in a theater, period. Tell me about that. Uh, Yeah, so back when it came out, I think I was 12 or 13, uh, and I went to the theater with some friends, and the volume in the theater was just cranked to 11. And one of the things that movie does a lot is it just ratchets up the static and this like pardon the pun ringing sound uh-huh. uh really loud to where it's like you're kind of cringing a little bit from it it gets so loud and it's just like so terrifying because of how all the you're just kind of bombarded with all these sounds and everything and it so was you're terrifying. with your friends and you guys are all like scared yeah it's, it, i mean it's absolutely terrifying back then yeah. like it was yeah. awesome it was so cool it was unlike anything i'd ever seen and then unfortunately it from there things kind of fell apart for i think the translation of j-horror to over here i mean hmm. the whole samara thing got beaten to death um J horror got beaten to death and like diluted into this not scary thing anymore. Like the little kid thing. Mm -hmm. I really felt like it. I mean, I know it's prevalent in other horror movies, but I really feel like it reared its head here Mm. Um, and just kept being prevalent. And so in high, in hindsight, like looking back, it's not quite as scary anymore. It may not even be scary at all anymore. Um, But back then, Man, I still remember like how awesome it was, and I was just blown away by it um, at the time. And so uh, I am I think jaded. It's so scary. I think if you're, I do think though that like the I think maybe it's scary movie those like parody movies. Yes, they parody really it. messed some of that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they probably did, there's, there's and, and like and, a, a mediocre sequel probably messed that up a little bit, uh, and yeah. then an even worse movie that came like 10 years later uh Mm -hmm. probably messed that up even more but i think the grudge and its endless sequels hurt it even more you know actually i like the original grudge Mm -hmm. sorry the original american grudge um but i that being said i will try to focus on this movie and not compare it to the american version as much as i can but i do think it will be impossible (laughs) overall but I'm going to give it a shot. Um, So for this film, I do think tonally this film really nails it. 
Mm-hmm. It has that lingering sense of dread in the yeah. back of my, like in the back of your mind at all times. Like anytime anything is happening, there's this little clock in the back of your mind, just kind of ticking away. Like you all really need to find something. <laughs> yeah. Every day is counting down. Right? It does. Yeah. They actually show you the clock, but even when they're yeah. just doing something, you're like, okay, like, yeah, time's a wasting. And, and it's just like, but then you don't know what to do, right? You're kind of like them. They don't really know what to do. It's like, this Mm-mm. is so out of their depth. Oh, um, yeah. But again, I do think tonally, at least, this film was very solid. Of course, that's not my only praise. But have you seen the American version on your end of things? Like, Has that yeah. colored your view of this film at all? Well, I think you're hitting on an important point, first of all, right there. Just conceptually. Like, conceptually, this film is awesome like uh it's so unique in that sort of way where it's like what would you do if this were happening to you and you had this sort of week would you be smiling as you dropped your son off to his grandpa's i don't know right like (laughs) would you ever be smiling once maybe uh but you don't really know right it's like and you're also in this weird sort of in-between space where you think you believe that you're going to die, but like you don't maybe really believe that you're going to die. Just like we don't believe that we're going to die at any time. We deceive ourselves, but we all, we're all going to die. Sorry, that got dark, right? (laughs) But you you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, But yeah, I do remember watching the American version on video shortly after it came out. And, I was definitely disturbed by that whole thing. I I was probably, you know, 13 years old, 14 years old. Uh, I think I watched it with my parents. It wasn't in a movie theater with my friends, unfortunately, which sounds a lot of fun. But no, I watched it at home and was pretty spooked out for a while. Um, And I only watched it once, I think, because I was too scared to watch it again. (laughs) But I do remember several of those images that just stand out to you, Um, some of which are just directly pulled from the original um, and others, which are probably created by that cultural zeitgeist that you mentioned. Yeah. And that, that zeitgeist really propelled the American version and probably by proxy. I mean, I'm sure Ringu did really well in Japan. Um, Uh There's a reason why it's been adapted in other places, Um, Mm -hmm. but it, it propelled it over here as well. And, it's uh, what's kind of funny is like all this great success that it had also eventually just kind of, I think led to its downfall in the public eye. Um, yeah, but yeah, a, a lot of this film is great. I think the opening setup is this stellar little short story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, two girls at home alone, uh, you know, just for the night. It's, it's an instantly relatable moment for anyone who's been a teen, had friends over, um, and then we also get these little teases, you know, these multiple false flags between them about whether this video had actually been watched, uh, has it been watched, what's going on with the video. And as soon as the the soon-to-be victim's fear of being honest with her friend about something uh, like this, it, you know, it, it, it is this goofy possibly thing, but it also could possibly kill her in about 10 minutes. Yeah, and I, I really dig it. Like it's just this. It, it's kind of like a t- typical teenager's refusal to be honest about anything out of mm-hmm. out of worry that they'll be judged for it. 
Yep. Um, <laughs> but that's not the only thing that I like here. I love the way that we see the beginning of an urban legend here. And I'm not talking about the ending. I'm talking mm-hmm. about the beginning of where all the fr- all the friends and all these people are starting to spread this story like wildfire. And it's preying on the fear of the supernatural on these like kids who are going to pass this story around. And it's going to be dismissed by adults. It actually reminds me of this thing I did for 13th Floor, um, my other podcast, where I talked about uh, Kuchisake Ona, who's the slip-mouthed woman. And she's this urban legend in Japan that it's a couple... It's a couple of centuries old, but the story really took root in 1979 and it created this hysteria of people being terrified of the slip mouth woman who would kill people. And they started having to have a uh, parent teacher groups accompany children home from school. And so Gosh. I could see, I could see that in this, which is really neat. Yeah. It's like, that's a direct influence of this film. I'm sure. Um, But yeah, I think you're hitting on one of the major themes of this one, Um, because honestly, what is the fear here? This this fear is rooted in this anxiety of the rumor that probably isn't true, right? But (laughs) what, for a moment, it actually was true. Yeah, it's rooted in the anxiety of never knowing the truth completely and not having a grasp on reality. And as always with these types of films... I find the build up, right, that that lingering sense of dread that you mentioned far scarier than the actual reveal Mm -hmm. at the end. And I I thought that in particular, I think with the American version, that it was for me, it was a little bit of a letdown at the end. Oh, really? Yeah. But here, I was pretty horrified at the climax of this one. I'm not sure what it was. Um, maybe because I just knew it was coming. <laughs> uh, there's just something about it happening during the day after the dust had settled and after that anxiety had subsided that made it pretty terrifying. It wasn't this big reveal. You know, there wasn't this horrific face or anything underneath the hair that we got to see. It was just that eye, right? Um, and that curse. The real horror of the whole thing was that the curse wasn't over when you thought it was right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's pretty, cre- pretty creepy. Um, and he just feels unexpected, even though I knew it was coming, it still feels unexpected. And so it really worked for me this time around. Interesting, Eric. Uh, you, some of your, your feelings on the original compared to this one are the opposite of mine. Hmm. Uh, hmm. I always loved the reveal of Samara coming out of the TV and it came out during the day too on in that movie as well. I remember that. Yeah. I remember um, that. And it is way, I think way more terrifying mm-hmm. than this one. Um, it, there's just something even more otherworldly about it. Even uh, maybe it's because of the color of the skin or like the digital distortion of Samara or, you know, it's it's an iteration on something else. So it, they have time to refine this type of thing. So I would expect, you know, if they remade this movie over there, Samara would probably be terrifying. Whereas in this one, I just feel like this girl with long hair crawled out of a TV and killed this guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't really that scary for me. I did like it um, overall, but it didn't really land for me. And the look on the eye, I thought, mm-hmm. kind of made me giggle a little bit. Um <laughs> <laughs> um it's like she's like had dust in her eye um but 
<laughs> other than that, I do think it's great. And I do think that, that the climax of this is, like you said, this wonderful moment where you realize the curse isn't over. Um, and But for me, that really the biggest mark against the film isn't any of the stuff I just said. That, that's, that's nitpicking, honestly, and it's mm-hmm. giving an unfair comparison to a movie that's made years later. Um, but the biggest mark against the film for me is the psychic stuff. Mm. Um, it, it makes sense for Sudoku to have the psychic stuff. Obviously she's in a, she's in a tape. She's crawling out TVs. That's fine. Um, but it's really Ryuji that I have a problem with. Mm. He's another psychic. He, and he even says a couple times that he's a lower level psychic. He doesn't compare to whatever Sudoku was doing. And he's more of a, uh, he can just kind of, I guess vibe on the people around him. He's kind of empathic. Uh, Yeah. yeah, Empathic that way. And I mean, the only reason he really is a psychic in this movie is to shortcut and get us a direct line to backstory on Sudoku and her dad and her mom. And while I do like those sequences that we get to see, I do kind of feel like it might be a little too convenient. And honestly, the film does lose a little bit of its edge when that starts to become a focal point. Yeah. Uh, that being said, though, I do love the ending. And I'm not talking about the climax. I'm talking about that the mom has to put everyone else's lives in danger yeah. in order to protect her son, which is something that seems unbelievable or maybe even ludicrous to many people, probably. But as a parent, I would have done the same thing in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, to your first point there, Honestly, I didn't even catch the fact that he was gathering information as a psychic. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. Like, this happens in <laughs> he's like, why, sometimes. Why is it when he's laying on top of this old man, he starts having visions? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> That's part of it. But, like, I'm like, there's some sort of connection because she has visions, too. Um, no, she has visions because she's in proximity of them. So she gets to see them by proxy. That's yeah. what that is. Right, but I, I I felt like for me, I'm I know I'm wrong, but like how I how I bridged the gap there was like I was thinking they were all kind of by proxy receiving these sorts of visions because they've been cursed, right? Ah. And so that curse allowed them to start seeing these okay. sorts of visions as the movie progressed. But so I and, and and honestly, this this happens to me frequently. Like I lose these little details when I start getting into the big picture of things. <laughs> My mind wanders. I'm like thinking thematically for a second, and then I just lose completely the small little detail that I needed to know to understand the story. <laughs> not not a great trait, but uh, yeah, I just thought he was a really resourceful human being <laughs> right? That, that seemed to know more information than anybody else. And so I did find that rather convenient. And I do think that takes it away a little bit. Um, I think that's a strike against it. I think you're exactly right. I think you're like, man, how do you know this information? How are we gathering this information so quickly? It seems really convenient that you know this all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, we didn't see this process. So I get it. It moves the story along. But part of that story to get there feels forced, right? Yes. Part of the backstory just feels a little bit like, huh. I almost didn't even need to know all those details in the story to to feel the same way about the story. Um, Yeah, which is that kind of whole, like the mystery is scarier than the reality sort of thing. 
Yeah, I mean, I would have been okay with just the Samara get sorted down on well because she's terrifying. Right? Yeah, exactly. And and just having these sort of um, little tie-in connections with all these other images from the video throughout uh, without bigger explanations of it. Like that image at the end uh, through the reflection of the TV where you see the the white sort of bag over uh, oh, Ryuji's yeah. face as he's pointing to the bag. <laughs> yeah, that was that was creepy. Um, <laughs> there are lots of moments like that that are creepy, man. Um, I was like, I didn't expect that. Really, really cool. But honestly, that is a strike against it. The convenience of the plot. I do think you're right. And my other issue is just a plot point, and this is nitpicking. But it's at the end when they're at the well. Obviously, Ryuji is going to be faster at pulling up the water <laughs> than she is. It's just obvious, right. right? So, like, why didn't they switch beforehand? Like, that doesn't make any sense so to me whatsoever. Here, here's how I put it together in my mind when I was uh-huh. watching it. I was thinking that Ryuji was going down because it's pretty terrifying to go down into a ghost terrifying. well. Yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> I think I he went down there to be brave. And he has that psychic connection. So he was like, I'll go down here and take care of this thing. Um, unfortunately, she gets like tired. Of shoulders. He, I'm like, you're never going it. to get this water out of here. Like, I've dealt with water. You're not going to get this water yeah, out of here. It's going to take forever. By pulling it up. Like, and it did take forever. And they didn't get all the water out. Fortunately, when she went down, she was able to locate the body because she tried to find the body, you know. Yeah, uh, that, 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 that's where I have the issue, right? Yeah. It's not even the water. It's how hard would it have been to just scoop your hands down and find a skeleton? Right. I know. No, I know. I know. I was like, <laughs> man, was he just too scared to do what she's doing? Or <laughs> Pretty terrifying. <laughs> Which <laughs> I would fair. be. Like, I don't want to be down to that thing. I'm, I'm not going down there. <laughs> <laughs> but you would if you thought, like, your life depended on it. And your son's life depended on it. You totally would. Um, But no, I I also do want to say about the very end of the film that you're right. Of course you have to spread the story, right? (laughs) You can't escape spreading it because you have to save those that you love at the end of the day, I think, right? Um, I think that's the only option that you really have. And you can always justify it in the back of your mind by saying, well, they can get out of it too if they right. copy and spread it, um, <laughs> exactly. which is messed up. But isn't isn't that kind of the idea of It Follows? I'm just thinking about yeah. Is there something so, like that? I am, I am confused a little bit about one aspect of it. I wish they, mm-hmm. we kind of explored it a little bit. Um, but if... It kills one person. Hmm. Does it go to the person that gave that person a copy? Because otherwise, it would have gunned for her immediately, right? Yeah, yeah. But she's doing... That's the it follows idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it follows. If it kills this person, it goes back to the original person of that person. And then it keeps going and going and going. Hmm. I don't Um, think so. Uh and so it's I like, so if one person dies, because if, if that one copy person dies on. after her son, then mm-hmm. everybody's in the clear. Yeah. But if she does that, then she has to commit murder. 
Whereas yeah. she can kind of pretend like she doesn't. Right. By making this a big urban legend. Yeah. It's interesting. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, on MVM Plus today, Alex, we talk a little bit about everything. We talk about Haunting of Hill House, Midnight Mass. I give you some recommendations for that. Uh, we yeah. talk about your introduction to Go. We talk about James Bond. So a bunch of nerdy stuff over on MVM Plus this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> yep, you can find that over at patreon.com forward slash MVM pod where all the bonus episodes and the entire library of those bonus episodes are just $2 a month. Uh, so you can go over there, see if you like it, um, and unsubscribe if you don't. It's all good with us. Let's get into our <laughs> wars though, shall we, Alex? <laughs> Sounds good. Cool. Coolest character, who'd you have? <laughs> I had uh, Sadako's dad. Um, <laughs> not really sounds like a good character, but then when you consider Sadako, uh-huh. he, he probably made the right call. <laughs> <laughs> well, do we even is, know if it, as, as Ruji says, do we even be. know it was her dad? And it we may not know. be. Well, we don't know. Her dad, something otherworldly. <sighs> We don't know, but I mean, this guy, he does something horrible. He gets away with it, but then you're also like, you know, he's not a good person. He probably shouldn't be my coolest character, but she's terrifying, man. (laughs) Yeah, she's terrifying. She is. Even before she is a poltergeist spirit, she is terrifying. Yeah, Uh, I wish we had seen her more so we could see whether she is, was as villainous as she is here right i don't i think that i think kind of the point though is is like and this is an interesting piece thematically is just consider how um reiko treats her uh like when she finds the the skeleton she gives her a hug well right it's like she treats her with respect and dignity and like almost like this this sort of care that she probably never received in her life Right. Um, so we don't know that entire backstory. I don't know what the next movie is. So there is a ring. Z- there is a ring zero or ring zero <laughs> that, that explains what happened 40 years ago. And I would imagine that but then there's a ring too. Yeah. I would imagine you're going to see something along those lines where she's neglected in some sense. I, I, I doubt yeah. that Sadako's dad is a good guy. Oh no, he's not. He's not. He's not. So maybe he should. You know, upon further reflection, I kind of regret my decision, but it is in stone now. It is Eric, in stone? Yeah. You who's can't your character? <laughs> Mine is Ryuji, um, who just meets the most unfortunate end. It's just really just messed up. But yeah. he's a hero, really, he is. because of everything that he does and everything that he does for his family. Um, even his ex family, he would say, you know. Yeah, yeah. He does. I mean, he goes he goes to extreme lengths, and if it wasn't for him, well, they wouldn't be in that position to. She wouldn't be in that position to save. Well, I guess she'd be okay because she made that copy, but she didn't know that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> she had no idea. But he goes to extreme lengths uh, to try to save her and his son. So, Ryuji for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a good choice. I think it's probably the only choice, honestly. <laughs> um, so, uh, what about your most memorable line award? Well, along those uh, same lines, Alex, it's Ryuji again, who this is on, when they are they're traveling on on boat, and so they're kind of reflecting. And he says, stories like this or stories like that don't start with anyone. People feel anxious and rumors start flying. I just think that's a pretty decent description of this type of anxiety that the story preys upon. Um, You know, it's like a story that doesn't really start with anybody, but that makes us feel anxious because what if it's true, right? And this is an extreme example. It's an extreme example of a like <laughs> those spam emails you get where it's like if you don't forward this on. Remember, we, those don't exist as much anymore. But if you don't like forward this on or like a Facebook message, you know that's like mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. Like the Facebook <laughs> post, like if you don't repost this, you know. <laughs> but even smaller than that, it's like, well, what if that little there's a nugget of truth within that rumor about this big issue right um there's some anxiety there and rumors will start flying once that anxiety takes place so i love that line yeah i think it's a great line what about you so i also like this one because i was like wow things really haven't changed and the te- is it this was ryuji oh, so ryuji, Ryu- yeah. ryuji's driving and he <laughs> says uh the papers built him up and then t- she's talking about um sadako's sadako's dad uh, yeah. I don't even know if it's Sadako or Sadaka, but um, she's talking about her dad, and she's the papers built him up, then tore him down. The media haven't changed much in forty years, and it's like, well, yeah, turns out they haven't changed much in uh, sixty years now either. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> <laughs> what about the can't believe the acting award? Uh, yeah, I gotta give it to Hiroyuki Sanada as Ryoji Takayama. I think he does a really great job. Yeah, as. Uh, as Ryuji, he sells his character. He does everything well, and honestly, I just really like the actor. Um, yeah. he has a Did big you know he's presence in, in game, America. Alex, he is what? He's in Endgame. Yeah, he's a big actor, and, and he, he's in several movies over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I knew he looked familiar. I was like, where have I seen him before? So, <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> fantastic. He really is great. Yeah, um, he's awesome. Mine is Reiko's. Uh, character, her performance. It was Nanako Matsushima. She's awesome. Uh, it would be easy to overact, I think, in her role, but Definitely. she doesn't. And that's a testament to that performance. So there's just several moments. We talked about the moment in the well, which is just a great moment. Uh, there's the moment before she goes into the well where she just basically like, I can't do it anymore. This is it. This is the end. Uh, there's moments of realization that she has that can only be moments of realization through her acting. Uh, there's nothing else that could portray that. So I think she does a fantastic job as Reiko. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if she overacts at all in this film, which yeah. is again, hard, hard to, to do. do. <laughs> yeah. Hard to do. All right. Um, uh, what about your standout effect award? My standout effect is actually going to be the entire videotape. Yeah. And I say that not because there's anything like technically amazing in that video. I just love the surrealism aspect of that video. 
how it feels disturbing completely. Like you're watching it and you're like, this is, there's just something off about this video. Even, even removed as we are, we're like, this feels wrong. Uh, it's like Unchien Andalou, the Spanish surrealism short film that is just known for being completely bizarre. And when you watch it, you're like, that just didn't feel right watching it. That's how this feels when you're watching the video. Like, mm-hmm. That's that's not quite right. And and that's not easy to do to, to hit that tone the way it does. So I've got to go with just that video overall. Yeah, it, it's a, it's great. And it's, they, they really amp it up even more in the American one. <laughs> or yeah, it just really gets do. even more insane. Um, I agree. I, there are a couple things in the American one I think I remember even more, but I appreciate that aspect about it. I like those surreal sure. uh, images that, that just kind of linger with you. Like they're yeah. images that don't go away easily because they're so unique and different. They but are. What about you? What's your standout effect? So I was going to say, I was initially thinking like the face, all the death faces, <laughs> but actually what I really like is like probably the worst effect of the entire film. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a moment during one of the, I think it's a flashback where we see um, her dad hit her in the back of the head and she falls into the well. Oh yeah. The sound effect for hitting her in the back of the head is like a generic punch sound that you would hear on any like wacky cartoon and it doesn't <laughs> fit notice. it doesn't fit with the ambience and the music of everything that's happening in this horror like this terrifying moment and then you just hear a, like i can't I'll, i'm gonna give it a shot <laughs> you're like i don't even need a sound there right right no exactly there's no need for a sound because there's no sound anywhere else in the video that's so it funny. was so weird and so awful. Maybe I'll try to find it. I'll point it out to you. It's so bad. Yeah. Um, what about your, oh, that's a good shot of Ward Alex. Um, so I got, there's a shot of looking up the well where you see the father leaning over and it's mm-hmm. just a silhouette. Is Oh, right. It's yeah. it's a terrifying image, and it's just so perfectly centered and circular. It's just it's very off putting. It's the ring, right? It like, is the ring. That is the ring. Well, mine's the shot down the well. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so we cover our bases here, Alex. Uh, it's just terrifying when you're looking down at that thing and you see that body of water. Oof. Man, yeah, I'm not going down there anytime soon. And also, sure. the shots of the well are actually very well oh, done. Gosh. they're they're pretty iconic though if you think about it whenever you see that image of the well um you know what movie it's from you do yeah you definitely know what movie that's from whenever they're pushing the lid off the well i can't help but think like how are you guys not more like peeing your pants right now oh i know right (laughs) like they're just like pushing it off like pretty casually really like I don't know. I, I just felt like at that moment, I'd be very careful pushing this thing off. Right. Like, I'd be you, absolutely terrified. Like That's the scary. But like they, they didn't act like that was a big deal. Like, no, you know what I mean? Like they kind of just both are pushing it and they're not like looking down or had their flashlights out. They're just pushing it. Yeah. All right. Like, yeah. This movie is a one out of 10, right one out of five. I mean, <laughs> not scared enough of the lid. 
<laughs> well, let's get into our rankings then, shall we? Yeah. I don't think it's a one out of five. For me, I'll go ahead and start, Alex. I, I think this is an original film, uh, and that's what I appreciate about it. It touches on an anxiety that I think we all have to some extent, and it also the performances are strong. The effects are strong. The tone, you feel it throughout. I, I, I love, we mentioned it a little bit before, but I love how we get that countdown. Um, it's not like a countdown, actually. It's just kind of the calendar going forward uh, <laughs> because it's, it's impossible to stop. Like the calendar is not going to stop moving forward. Um, mm-hmm. And so I love that aspect of it. It makes you think about what you would do in this sort of situation. It makes you think about what extent you would go to protect your kids, um, to protect yourself, to protect others. There's ethical questions, thematic questions, and it's just really spooky. It has twists, it has turns. I'm a fan mm-hmm. of Ringu. So for me, this is a four out of five. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, well. <laughs> um, I had a feeling you would like it. And I, I think I'm right there with you, Eric. I, I like the twists and turns that happen in this. I like the urban, the developing of the urban legend. I like the short story at the beginning, mm. the little <laughs> mini experimental film we get as well. And it's just a, the tone is perfect throughout. Um, even when I do think that there are missteps, that tone is still managing itself in a really great way. Um, I do think the well scene is a little too long, but it does provide a pretty decent amount of dread. Mm-hmm. Um, and that countdown of just seeing the daylight go the daylight. away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As a, like using that as the clock. I really like that. There's just a lot to like here. Really? I mean, I mentioned the psychic stuff that I don't like and, Honestly, I, I know this is heresy, but this is going to be inferior to the American version in my mind um, because I remember being much more terrified. I like Samara more than I do Sadaka or Sadako. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Samara is represented as a more terrifying image for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't dive into the psychic stuff quite as much in that one. And, that that's where this was weak for me, but this is really great. This is an original film. This is why I got the one that I like so much. Um, yeah. So I'm going to give this one like you, Eric, a four out of five. Nice. Yeah. I recommended this to students today, actually. So that, that tells you something when I recommend one of the films we watch on here. So nice. <laughs> yeah. I recommend it. I said, you should watch this film. Had any uh, of them been like, Oh, I've seen the ring. Yeah, a couple of them have seen The Ring. I don't think any of them had seen Ringu. So, that was cool. And, I mean, it's available. Anybody can go watch it on Tubi. So, I I definitely recommend it. Pretty good film. Definitely. Definitely. Next week, we do another film by the same director, Dark Water, like we mentioned at the top of the show. Alex, any rhymes for Dark Water? Um, Yeah. All right. So, no. Oh, well, I'm going down this path. I'm right down. Um, so is dark water? Oh, golly. What was that? Is dark water a sharder or does it hit a lot harder? (laughs) 
Warder. Sharder. <laughs> oh, geez. That, that's why you mispronounced water, Alex. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, man. Will dark water be about a slaughter or will it just be about another daughter? Ooh. That's mine. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, you kept it classy. I kept it classy. You <laughs> went with the sharts. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, man. If, as always, if after that you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore pod. Uh, you can email us mvmpod at gmail.com or leave us feedback at mvmpod.com. Support us over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash mvmpod and receive weekly bonus off the cuff episodes. And if you feel so led, leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews really help. Monster vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Faye Basier and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week, try, try to, to stay, stay alive. alive. Our tagline has never been so literal, Alex. I kept it classy. You went with the shards. <laughs>